Jamie and Travis, Jamie and Travis, Jamie and Travis present. All right. We're back. Oh, the long awaited. The long awaited. We're doing a month between episodes this season. It's 2020 now. It's 2020. We're here with Brian Monahan today. Brian, thank you so much for coming. Anytime. You are owner operator of Greenhouse Pharmacy. Yep. One of. One of. Yeah, you and two of us. your wife? Yep. Emmy. Emmy. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the first thing I'm really curious Greenhouse Pharmacy, for people who don't know, is is it just one location across from good food we have two we have one downtown uh on front and higgins on the corner of front and higgins and then we have the one across from the good food store wait like where front and higgins in the hammond arcade building next to el cazador so it's kind of oh, on that right on. new well it's stockman's top hat yeah 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 you're in that little mall street. in there yes, exactly. i love it in there yeah remember you go to the bathroom at el caz it's such it's a like... weird building nobody knows that there's that little mini mall in there and nobody knows that totally there's kind of a second layer it's cool yeah it's yeah, it's really yeah. Cool. is it uh el caz is closing did i hear yes is that's it what really? i heard well, i heard that that's the rumor the grapevine that's an yeah. end of end of the era it's sad it's really sad. sad i haven't been there in a while but it feels like is this closing Feels like there's some turnover happening. Yeah, <laughs> downtown. Well, downtown yeah, downtown is its own anomaly. Yep. Um, so, how did you guys? And the other location is across from the Good Foods on Third. How did you guys get involved? This is a dispensary. It's a medical marijuana dispensary. Yeah. Um, tell us about how you got involved in it. We both have been in the cannabis industry, <clears throat> as everybody for the most part that starts in the cannabis industry, you start in the black market. Yeah. Um, and so we, we were really good, um, at cannabis and we're, we're part of the, the original, um, probably in 2010, um, when the whole green first big green wave in yeah. Montana was taking part. We were, we were a part of that, but, um, Things changed. Uh, the the government kind of shut everything down, and so we moved to Oregon to kind of continue in the cannabis path. Um, and then, basically, when when Montana started to lo loosen its or kind of open its doors to cannabis again, we decided to take part of that kind of. So you're talking about growing, growing, uh, distribution, cultivation, whole the whole formulation, thing. everything, farm yeah. to farm to pipe. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. uh, so it's been it's been a journey from you know kind of meeting people in parking lots to having a a store across from the good food store, which is one of the that looks popular. beautiful. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. Your store looks legit. Love thank that you. store. It that's, looks really awesome. That's the only place I buy the CBD. Wait, yeah. you go there. Yeah, I know. And I didn't know that you were from there. It's oh. information I don't have. I, but I love that because it's not like I, we were like, Oh, let's get the, let's get the guy from where I buy. But right. no, I was uh, like, let's get the guy from the one that looks really nice. Yeah. yeah. The one that looks nice. <laughs> uh, and it is really nice. Well, thank you. No, that's part of the, uh, you know, we, we, we learned a lot when we were in Oregon um, we worked for a dispensary in Hood River that um, that kind of put class first. Um, and so, you know, when you're walking into a dispensary, you see, uh, especially if you've been into quite a few, you see the array, um, you see the the scale yeah. that they can, you know, from Bob Marley's gas station living room to <laughs> um, very high end, where you're like, yes. should I take my shoes off and do, Man. You do a coat? Check we had or? a we had a trip together to Seattle and back where we hit. 
everyone. Yeah, eleven <laughs> shops. Yeah, and it was that was our experience. Was oh, they are all completely different. Yeah, yeah. And and by the eleventh, you can tell at the door. Yeah, you become a seasoned vet, and and especially for people that have never been in to a dispensary, uh, your your mom, maybe your grandma. Right. Um, it's it can be a pretty intimidating, pretty. Um, scary thing for a lot of people, especially in Montana, a yeah. rural Montana. Um, so it's nice to have a location and a space uh, that doesn't. When you walk in, you don't smell combusting marijuana. When right. you walk in, you don't. You're not greeted with pipes and bongs. And um, I'm not in a tie dye T-shirt and <laughs> yeah. blazed out of my mind. Right. <laughs> you know, you're you're meeting somebody that's um, that's going to have some education, some maturity. And then you don't feel like you're in a dispensary. You know, you feel like you're more of in a in a boutique shop um, that also sells cannabis. Yeah, I mean, it's the I was just in California uh, and went into some shops, one in San Francisco and one in near Big Sur, and they were both the shop kind of shops where you you go in and they check your ID and then you like sit down. Yeah, and they call you up. Yeah, there's a waiting. And I gotta say, after for the last I don't know, 15, 18 years buying weed on the black market, even if you love the person you're buying it from, even if you're friends, it is always a little awkward. Yes. You know, it is just, it's a nefarious, you'd like, always like, yeah, where's the drop? Where's the, oh, this here. smells yeah. really bad, dude. Can you like, give me another bag or right. something? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and going that retail experience legal is like, I didn't want to leave. Yeah. Like, I just, I wanted, do you want to talk more about the stuff you guys are selling? <laughs> we get that a lot too. It's like people come in cause the, cause they're not really, they don't for the most part run in circles that openly discuss cannabis yeah. law or cannabis use or, you know, people still feel, you know, if you're in the grocery store line, people are still like, hey, don't, don't, don't yeah. keep that down. And it's like, why, why? Is, you know, why your grandma has. You know, a bad back and just had surgery. I'm talking about giving her some, or you know, you're you're anxious, you're super stressed out. You, yeah. You know, you don't sleep right. But and the, the I mean, the old like double standard that it always gets me, especially in this town, is like, so you're cool with us like meeting at the brewery and you're gonna bring your kids and you're gonna you're gonna get you're, drunk. Gonna, you're gonna get drunk on three IPAs. Yeah. No doubt about Four it. Four nights a week. But <laughs> if I bring up smoking weed. Uh, you're going to get weird. Real hush-hush. Right. Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's the thing. That's the stigma we're trying to break down. You know, we, we encourage people, if you have your kid with you and you want to come in and ask questions and you don't want to leave your kid in the car, bring them in. Yeah. It's fine. The can you, can you walk us through, because I, I want to talk more about how to, like breaking down the stigma and what, in your opinion, needs to happen. But before that, can you talk about uh, most of our listeners, I think, were here during... Uh, I don't know what happened in like around 2010 <laughs> when it was really easy to get a card. Yeah. I got a card. Uh, the doctor I visited was via Skype yep. and I got, he was lying down on a sofa. <laughs> he told me to take, I was also there for like a totally bogus reason. I was, I took advantage, sure, you know, I sure. really did. And uh, he was lying down on a couch, laptop on his, on his belly. Uh, he told me when I felt pain in my elbow, uh, which was not very often, uh, to take three to five puffs. And then I left. It was like 45 seconds, maybe. I left, and there was a, he, there was a document that he had already signed. And they were like, just mail this in. Yeah. Congratulations. 
and that was it. It's it's a little bit more involved now than that. How did we get from there to here, though? Is can you walk us through that a little bit? Cannabis became uh, medicinal in Montana in two thousand four. Okay, uh, from two thousand four to about two thousand nine, there were about three thousand patients in the state. The government, you know, the people wanted it. The people got it. The government didn't really go any further into defining that, into yeah. establishing. So for quite a few years, it was just kind of, well, I don't really care what you weed heads do. Just do it. And, you know, there weren't a lot of doctors approving it. So there weren't a lot of people using it. So there weren't a lot of dispensaries. Yeah. So it wasn't in anybody's face. Um, in 2009, 2010, this guy... Um, Jason Christ or Christ, yes. I think his yeah. last name. Yeah. yeah. So he started. He just smoked that big Gandalf pipe all well, over the place. And he, and he, because he looked at the law and was like, there's a bunch of loopholes in here. And it says that I can do this, but it doesn't say that I can't do this and this and this and this and this and this. And so what he was able to do was gather some out of state doctors and gather some doctors and, and basically caravan them around Montana. And he would hit, you know, between four and five, maybe six big towns in Montana a month and take these doctors and have these clinics in a, you know, a, a hotel conference center yeah. and signed up 30,000 people in several short months. So we went from 3000 to 30,000 30, and the state was like, and then people had dispensaries on every corner. Yep. Everybody was taking out ads for advertising people. I mean, you could feel the stimulation, the economic stimulation, yeah. you know? Um, and then the government just kind of went, no, it's too much, too soon, too big, too fast. Um, and there was a giant repeal that went through the House and then it went through the Senate. And on the day that it was being voted on in the Senate, there's actually a really cool documentary um, that kind of follows this path of, of destruction of the cannabis industry in Montana. Oh, cool. It's called like the Code of the West or the, I can't remember. Oh, the name oh, awesome. But um, they basically said, no, we're we're going to make an example. There's a bunch of, there's so much cultivation. There's so much stimulation. All of this excess is going out of state. This isn't what the, the government wants that they were just like, we're done. We're yeah. shutting it down on the day that it was being voted on repeal in the Senate. They were, the FBI was kicking in doors to dispensaries and shutting it down. So it was, it was a very well uh, orchestrated yeah. um, governmental kind of like we're putting a stop to this. They changed the industry to the point where if you were a provider, you couldn't make you couldn't make a living. Right. You could have three patients. You couldn't you could take donations for medicine, but you couldn't actually put a price on things. Um, just just absolutely no room for growth. Pun, yeah. Pardon the pun. But um, <laughs> when you when you really have something that's that's forward moving and then you put an abrupt stop to it, I mean, everybody left. The whole cannabis industry in Montana was, you know, disemboweled. Basically. Yeah. Well, there was some really, I remember during that time, there was some really like heartbreaking stories about people who had been running legit businesses oh, yeah. and getting like raided by dudes in SWAT gear. And then, and then them going, okay, you can only have three patients, so you can't really make any money yeah. off of three people. And yeah. I mean, this is as much as this is an altruistic, uh, you know, we're, we're doing good deeds to help people, um, with sustainable medicine. Right. It's, I mean, no, I, Hey man, I mean, that's how I feel about food for instance. Like right. it, it needs to, your farm that's growing good, healthy food needs to, to be there next year. Right. And the only way that's going to happen is if you make a profit. Right. Exactly. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, 
Okay, so so that breakdown happens, and then in the last couple of years, like I, everyone in Missoula has seen these dispensaries pop up in the last few years, and I think everyone's wondering what is the status of the law now. So they kind of loosen things um, entering into you know 2013, 14, 15, 16. They they kind of loosen things up where you could have a dispensary, you could have more than um, three patients, but everything's vertically integrated, so you have to grow. All cultivation, formulation, um, anything that has to do with cannabis has to be done so by the provider. Yeah. So they made it really difficult. I mean, if you're a provider and you want to make gummies and or if you want to do edibles, vape cartridges, tinctures, topicals, 20 different <gasps> strains of flour, it becomes pretty laborsome. I mean, yeah. so you have to make everything, everything. So they kind of went, all right. You can do it this way. Patients are tethered to providers, meaning they can't just go to any shop. So if you want to open up a shop, you can. Um, but then you have to sign people up. You have to sign people up. They can only come to your shop. Fine. So, you know, a, it deterred a lot of providers from opening up shops. Yeah. At the end of 2016, um, there was the, 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 the state basically had a plan to and it was about a, a month, maybe a month and a half of like dark time where all providers had to stop providing to their patients. All patients basically had to sign them up. If they, if they wanted to remain a patient, they had to sign themselves up as their own provider. And then it was like September through November that once the new law came into act in November of 2017, I believe um, there was this dark window where, no providers could provide. Basically, every dispensary had to shut its doors and stop providing. And then a month and a half later, the new law went into effect. Dispensaries could reopen, sign their patients back up to them, and then continue on. Jesus. It was crazy. <laughs> so we, like, waited. Jesus. We, like, held our, held our you know, our position. Yeah. And then when that happened, we basically just moved back in, opened up a shop. You know, um, we were ready at that point with our background, with our, we kind of put our ducks in a row yeah, and then decided so you've been to waiting it. for this. Yeah. Do you feel like, like this will be it for like, <laughs> or, I mean, is there any, do you have any fear that it's gonna, I, there, there is, um, there are a couple of different measures, um, slighted for the, uh, the 2020 November of 2020 ballot. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of on the, uh, pessimistics. I, I think that we're about three to five years in Montana from full recreational. Oh, okay. We July 1st. So there was a, there was a new bill that came in. That was the one I was telling you about that. You know, they had to, there was that dark period and then November, everything reopened new bill coming through. And then there was a kind of a ramification bill that made a bunch of clarity Okay. Out of the out of the new bill, and so that bill passed in this last April, and that's what we're dealing with now. One of the new things that's coming down the line, July first or July first is their deadline, um, is patient untethering. That would Shop allow around. yes, so you could still, but that takes a lot of infrastructural change. Yeah, so they're moving from a square footage or a plant count per patient to a tiered system. Um, and then to move up a tier, you have to prove that you're selling 80 to 85% of your growth. You can't just apply for a new tier and move up and move up and move up and get bigger and bigger cultivation space. You have to prove that 
I'm meeting the demand um, oh. of your dispensary. So you're not selling on the black market. So you're not case. selling on the black market. Got it. So there is a couple of new things coming down the line that are going to kind of give some, it, it, I think it'll make everybody kind of show their cards. Um, kind of yeah. like, like, you know, everybody's been in this weird poker game of like, <clears throat> you know, because patients are tethered. So it's this very competitive, like, you're you're working really hard to get patients because once you have a lot of patients, those people can only shop at your store. Yeah. But it's kind of making everybody go, all right, let's see what you got. Because if all your patients are, you know, complaining that you don't provide Rick Simpson oil, but this dispensary over here does. Yeah. Obviously, if they're looking for that product, you don't serve it and the other the other dispensary does you're going to be out and it's nothing for a patient to untether and re they won't have to they won't have to like they will essentially be cut free oh i mean in the past though if you if i was unhappy with this business it's not hard but it's an awkward conversation you have to have a conversation it's a breakup it's like you're looking at them going can i get my stuff back it's so weird i want this to be done because you don't meet my need and it's like that's awkward. Yeah. Oh, it sucks. Yeah. That, that's terrible. You don't have to do that in any other business. Yeah. No. And, and, and moreover, if you, if you apply the vertical integration to any other business, your mind explodes, you know? Right. Like yeah, totally. If you were yeah. to brew beer and had to do that vertically and grow hops, grow and, hops. And, yeah. But you had to harvest the hops. You could only grow these varieties of hops. You yeah. couldn't. It's nuts. And only enough that you can sell. <laughs> right. And only to the people that wanted to come to your brewery. They couldn't go to any other brewery. And what would happen if you one year were open about it? And then again, this is in the past, but one year you said, uh, hey, you know, like we had a bunch of people leave. We grew way too much stuff. Do you have to destroy it? Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. Or convert it into another product that doesn't spoil as fast, but still that's falling on you. It's yeah. not like in other, other states where... Hey, I'm a provider. I grew 20 times more than I was able to provide because that's what farmers do. Yeah. You always err on the side of Too much. crop failure. Yeah. And so they were able to, as licensed providers, go to other licensed providers and unload their goods yeah. because it's like, this is either going to go bad or I'm going to throw it away or destroy it. But either way, I have no use for it. So yeah. it kind of established this economy where even if you were a small time grower, um, you had an outlet for anything that was extra and you could charge whatever you wanted for it. And then, you know, that can snowball. You're like describing capitalism or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> as evil as that sounds, it's like the best man should win, right? Yeah, I mean, like, it, it works. <laughs> in every, I mean, I don't know. Wow. Yeah, it seems normal. It seems yeah. normal. It feels when you lay it out like that, it does. It's really hard to not feel, you know, I love, I love weed. I consume it every day. Yeah. It, it's like, I, I do feel it as an important part of my life. Uh, I really appreciate it. And, but I would never, uh, sort of feel like, man, people like stoners are persecuted. But when you lay it out <laughs> like this, it does feel punitive. Like the government yeah. has really knows that, well, this is like not the worst thing you can do. Right. <laughs> this is not heroin. Well, and Hey, you know, my two-year-old that has, uh, you know, uh, uh, epilepsy is getting relief for their seizures. And my grandma, who yeah. just had her hip replaced, is getting, um, you know, she's not on a handful of Advil or uh, something that's going to deteriorate the lining of her stomach yeah. or her, her liver. Or <clears throat> it's the sustainable uh, plant-based medicine that can be used 
ritualistically. <clears throat> it can be used, you know, medicinally. It can be used spiritually. Um, so there kind of is this gray area because we're trying to put it all under this medicinal umbrella. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I know that half the patients that I have are getting it for quote unquote chronic pain. Right. And sure, maybe it relieves some of their pain, but at the same time, they wake up every morning, they take a couple puffs, they go about their day, they feel better about their day, they feel better about facing their day. Maybe they have a couple puffs when they get home, it helps them de-escalate. There are so many different reasons that it's like, let's just, let's just kind of let adults make adult decisions. Yeah. And if I they're mean, going to abuse it, we'll crack down on them. But for the most part, people are just going to use it how they need it. And it's not going to affect society. It really so. is not. I mean, I think about my own experience. I know there are probably dozens of your customers have a story like this, but I have anxiety and I saw a doctor about it years ago and they prescribed uh, at the time, the first doctor who got in trouble for this, uh, but prescribed me 80 grams of Adderall a day. What? An yeah. upper? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's exactly what, that you know, cause my, means. my anxiety, we talked about it, my anxiety is usually triggered by like just feeling overwhelmed. Like I put a lot of shit on my plate and then I like freak out about it. And, <laughs> and he was oh, like, well, no. this will like help you, oh, no. you know, organize, stay organized. And, and, you know, I didn't really fully grasp that, like, you know, he's giving me Coke, basically. Right, he's giving you meth. And then, uh, like, a three-year struggle of, like, negotiating my relationship with this thing and then ultimately deciding, like, this is going to wreck me. Uh, and guess what? Fucking worked great. Right. <laughs> I knew so many kids that sold their Ritalin or their Dexedrine or whatever and used the money to buy weed. Yeah. Because it wasn't an upper meeting, an upper brings you down. It was an upper with a downer yeah. meets you in the middle. Yeah. And these guys were like, yeah, I mean, I'm able to, it calms me down to the point where I can then function, yeah. go to school, go to yeah. work, do, you know. And I just, I can't, it's just, it's so hard. It, I don't want to like gripe on all the double standards that are surrounding weed, but we talked about the alcohol thing. And then the, the pharmaceutical thing is just insane, man. It's something like a hundred and. 35 or 100 I can't remember 130 people a day die from opioid overdose mm. and what is it like 120 die from weed overdose <laughs> right. a day yeah it's in nuts I mean if anyone has ever tried to smoke to overdose on weed I have I, I, I it, it's real hard yeah I'll <laughs> congratulate you if you do that's it's insane re it's real hard yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so what do you what do you think uh, the, the stigma around it is weird and it, it's obviously pervasive um, what do you think did, did just like some old white dudes need to die at yeah, this point I mean, is that and, basically and it, takes it more you know it takes more two-year-olds and more 82 year olds using it yeah you know, because then it's like well obviously this person this two-year-old isn't using it to get high they're using it because they need it yeah and same thing with this 82 year old it's like they're sure maybe they get some enjoyment out of it but there's an absolute medicinal approach to it so yeah. if you can give it this um if you can kind of call a spade a spade you know i feel like there's a lot of people that represent the recreational market that are putting a medicinal overtone on it. And it's like, you just want to get high. Yeah. Just, just say that, just say it, just say it. And, and, and accept that, embrace that and, and go with that, but also be honest about it. Yes. 
there probably is a lot of recreational use to what you're doing, but there is some medicinal use, whether or not you focus primarily on that, or that's just kind of a subconscious afterthought. It's still a presence. Also, like, I mean, it kind of gets in the territory of like, why do we recreate? Right. For mental health. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? right. The, <laughs> so. the Central Park was created because the city was getting too big and people were going crazy. Yeah. They put a park in the middle of it. to. Imagine if you could smoke weed in Central Park. Around. Right. Fantastic. Take a walk. Be excellent. There's nothing better walk, for depression, yeah. anxiety, to take than to take a walk in fresh air. Yeah. Get some good food. Maybe have a nice podcast or you yeah. know, classical <laughs> yeah. something yeah. to listen to. And then you go back to doing your stuff. It's not this... You know, we've been scratching our heads trying to figure out how to quell everybody's anxiety. And it's like, yeah, it's called fresh air. It's called interacting with people. It's called good food. It's called good conversation. Not getting addicted getting, to amphetamines. Yeah, take a couple of puffs of this. <laughs> yeah, it's not. There's some mesh. 12-year-old. Come yeah, back to me. I mean, there's, there, there's no, where's the, uh, where's the justification for products that are worse? Like, right. there's no, we're not talking about how great alcohol is. Like, right. it, well... We got to keep it out there because it's so, it's so weird. great, but it's a relative poison. Right. Yeah. Like, well, you could die from it real easy. Literally. Every yeah. Day. And so, but there's no argument there. Right. And we're just, it's there. Not to mention the whole, and I know this is probably, there are going to be people that roll their eyes at this, but I, as someone who uh, deals with addiction and also smokes a lot of weed, uh, addiction, like for me, whether it was alcohol or amphetamines it's like the whole clause in you cliche is real it feels like there is a fucking thing on your back mm -hmm. that is like pounding you on the head saying you better figure out how to get more of that right uh weed man yeah there are times where i have not had weed and thought man i really wish i could smoke some weed right now yeah. but that dude's not on your back right. well, and it didn't it. ruin you either no, right? it didn't ruin man. your day it didn't no you don't think about like stealing shit yeah. Right. yeah. Right. I mean, I'm sure some people have that experience, <laughs> yeah. but my, my like experience with these substances is, have been like really lined up next to each other and it's all really fresh in my head. And it's just, it's striking how different the sort of chemical relationship my body has with weed as compared to alcohol or amphetamines. It's just, you can't even really compare them. No. And there's a sustainability factor too. You know, when, when, the older we get, the more our chemical balance becomes imbalanced and changes. And when you're applying different chemical substances further and further down the road, and then if you take breaks, yeah, you know, if you took like a 15 year break from smoking cannabis, like smoking it every day, all day to not smoking it at all. Yeah. And then going back to that, you have a completely different relationship with, with the substance and it needs to be taken you know, you can't just jump right back. You can't back go on. right to it. No, you got to take it, you know, you got to go slow. Yeah. But again, when you're trying to put that down, there isn't that monkey on your back. There isn't that, that no. looming kind of pig pen, uh, you know, swirl around you mm. that's going, you got to do it. You got to do no, it. No, I mean, more, you know, like I don't like, fly with it and it's right. like, I don't think about it. Yeah, you or, survive. You, I mean, I'm fucking total. I mean, maybe like it takes a little longer to fall asleep. Yeah, you might be a little more irritated. Or easily, you know, frustrated. Right? <laughs> <laughs> True. But it's like, uh, that's that's what you're looking at. You're not looking at like, well, I'm going to sit here and pick my skin. Yeah. For And then maybe think about stealing or r rob somebody too. Because yeah. we've, been, we've been broken into. We've been 
um, you know, our garbage was gone through almost every week really? for a year before we got a, a metal dumpster. And then yeah. even then it was gone through. And then it's, you know, so, I mean, it, but that's not coming from my patients. Right. My patients aren't, you know, if, if, if I close at 8 p.m. and they miss me, you know, because they were late with work or whatever, like they just wait until nine in the morning and get yeah. some. They're not like freaking out calling calling me yeah. you know it's they can well, wait the, the dumpster thing is is because it's an illicit it's an illicit substance yeah it, right. for no reason it is because oh well this is something that i can only get by trying to find it right in a dumpster right and it doesn't have to be that way right. if it was legal nobody would be going through your dumpster right do you do you feel like so what i just said about the addiction thing obviously is anecdotal that has been my experience do you are you familiar with any science surrounding that Around the addiction of cannabis? Yeah, and, and obviously people, I mean, whatever, maybe they get addicted to it. It feels very different from my experience. Uh, is there science about sort of the habit-forming qualities of that you're aware of? Um, not like peer-reviewed, like scientific We're journal. We're still behind on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it is just coming from, you know, tr- just plain old trial and error, you know, just people using it people figuring out what it does and what it doesn't do. Mm -hmm. And then them talking to their doctors and talking to, you know, there, there aren't these think tanks, these um, focus groups that are like, okay, we're, you know, we're going to smoke Jack Herrera every day for two weeks. And you tell me, you know, there, there isn't that. Yeah. Um, And it needs to be legal federally probably for that to really happen. Is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing the, the wealth of information of, of studies come out of Israel, believe it or not. It's kind of strange, but for the last 50 years, Israel has been the driving force behind um, the research into cannabis, like the direct, you know, this is what the endocannabinoid system is. This is what it does. This is, you know, how to bolster it. This is, you know, consume this cannabinoid over this cannabinoid for, or this terpene versus that terpene for these different ailments. Um, but the physical, I mean, if you're, if, if you're an addictive, if you have an addictive personality, you're going to, you're going to find ways to be addicted to anything. Sure. But I think, you know, and from my experience, when I have seen people use cannabis for, a period of time for a, an ailment relief, cancer, things like that, and then set it down, there really isn't this overwhelming desire to continue to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, that's kind of their intention is yeah. they're getting chemo or they're going through a, a certain type of treatment. They want this type of relief, but only, you know, a lot of them are like, well, I got to go back to work. You yeah. know, I can't, I can't be high all day. Like I have to, I have to function, but you know, right now it really helps because chemo is pretty invasive. And so when you can combat those ailments with a plant, that's, you know, we, we use a a lot of Rick Simpson oil. You'll you'll hear the term RSO or the, the, uh, abbreviation RSO. Um, we're not allowed to use the word cure, but I have patients that have cured their cancer with Rick Simpson oil. What? Who is Rick Simpson? He was a guy who developed tinnitus. Uh, he got hit in the head really hard. You're um, looking at two dudes that are about to deal with that. Yeah, it's a constant ringing in the ear. Earplugs. Like, I always yeah. have my earplugs in. So they, no, you don't. <laughs> Almost all the time. You sometimes busted. have your earplugs. <laughs> in. Almost all the time. <laughs> all right, whatever. But the doctor said, you know, here's some earplugs. Here's some noise canceling, uh, you know, tape to listen to. Here's some medication. You're gonna have this for the rest of your life. And he went, well, then I'll kill myself. And yeah. he kind of, through his buddies, um, discovered weed, asked his doctors, what do you think? And obviously for head injuries, smoking, combusting cannabis, and then coughing 
is not the best, yeah. uh, you know, treatment. Yeah. Um, so they, he said, well, what if I concentrate it and eat it? And they said, well, feel free to do whatever you want. You live, he's from Canada. They're like, you know, you can get it. No problem. So he figured out with his still simple alcohol still that he was able to do this extraction come up with this oil that's just a plant oil there is no carrier there's no it's not suspended in anything um and he cured himself of tinnitus and he started saying here friends family people i know just eat this yeah i don't know like i i have no idea i just invented I this feel better extraction i have overcome this obstacle in my life give it a whirl and he said it took him about five years of giving the oil away to from saying I think it will work to, I know it will work. Yeah. And so he kind of trial and error again, he third degree burns all over the top of his hands, put the oil on his hands, put a bandage on for, you know, five days, switch it out five days. He has hair follicles. His, his hand has no scar tissue. There are hair follicles growing back on his hand where third degree burns once consumed the top of yeah. his hand. So he said, all right, we'll try putting it topically on. So oh, skin cancer, uh, herpes, um, there are certain types of things that are, according to Western medicine, un- incurable. Yeah. People started curing them. So he started saying, here, this will cure, this will cure, this will cure. And the Canadian government did not like that. Yeah. So they kicked him out of Canada. They, they basically were like, he can't come back. So he moved to, I think he lives in like Lithuania now or somewhere in, in, in Europe. Whoa. But he fights the fight abroad yeah and he does a lot of paneling and he does a lot of instructional stuff but his his whole mantra his whole idea is for the cost of growing four plants of cannabis in your backyard some everclear and a rice cooker you can cure your cancer so there's no need to go to you know doctor after doctor after doctor grow these plants do this and and it's not like when you go to his website you see step one two and three yeah. on how to make the RSO and then buy his book. It's like, here's step one through 50, exactly my regimen, exactly my step-by-step process free on his website because he's so anti-pharmaceutical. Yeah. Well, and it's the, the pharmaceuticals. No one, one patient told me that um, nobody ever died from pain medication. Oh, nobody ever died from pain. They just died from pain medication. Yeah. And so if you can, he says, Rick Simpson says 60 grams is kind of that magic number about a pound of cannabis makes 60 grams of RSL. And he says 60 grams is kind of that round number where you start to see these big time ailments go away. No and shit. so why not? You know, if, yeah. you, if, you, if your mom gets breast cancer or has some sort of, you know, tinnitus or something, yeah. why not? Why not try this method first to see what happens and continue down the path if it's, if it doesn't work, all right, let's go do the chemo or let's go do radiation, yeah. or whatever. Or maybe it's a combination of both, but let's have this option be on the table because yeah. even if, I mean, cause with even with chemo and radiation and stuff, I'm sure in some cases doctors are saying this will give you a 50%. All right. We have no idea. Like right. what, who just give it a shot. Yeah. And also those things make you, they are, you know, they're killing you in other ways. They make right. you feel the, horrible. The, the irony, the, the irony of this is, I don't is, wear your place. It's all exactly. <laughs> the irony of all this is, is it, it, it sucks. Like the idea that, uh, that the fight to get cannabis, cause Oh, it'll help you with chemo where well, you, 
if, if you would have been using the product beforehand, you wouldn't be having to have chemo right yeah. now. Like I hate those those weird things because it's all still based on uh, the weird stigma. Yeah, it's, weird. it's all still based on. Uh, I, I love diving in. I was trying to watch a documentary the other night about you know the war on weed uh, starting in like fifties sixties, where it's just like so. This is just because. Yeah, like yeah. this, there was actually no it's actual like information. By racism and yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It so has nothing to do with. Oh, what is this? Oh, yeah. this sucks because we're 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 withholding this thing that you should be able to, much like everything else, you should be able to decide if you want to try that. Right. You should be able to decide. You get to decide whether or not you want to take, especially op- opioids or whatever. Especially if there is even a tiny chance that it could improve your health. Yeah. Right. Right, like if there's any opportunity for that, why are people not allowed? Right, all if across said, the board. Drink this root, make a tea out of this root. Yeah, chaga is another one. It's a root, and um, it really helps with inflammation. And it's like here, I dig this root up. It exists at this, you know, in this yeah. environment. Dig it up, make a tea, and you should be able to help with it. My, my uncle couldn't open his hands. He would, you know, brush his teeth with his fists and like for the first couple hours every morning, his like hands arthritis were arthritis or yeah. And just kind of just, he's old, yeah. you know? And so he heard about this route and it's basically changed his life. So why, why not? You why know, not? like why, why tell the guy, Oh no, no, no. I'd much rather you have Advil or <clears throat> some sort of NSAID that's, you know, over time will eat the lining of your stomach or yeah. crash your, on your liver. It's right. like, why don't you just try this route first? Yeah. See if that works. It and didn't if it work, doesn't well, work, go then go down the line. Totally. You yeah. Know? If, if like if it's if there, I want the logic. I want the uh, yeah. everything else is FDA approved. Yeah. So show me that it doesn't work. Right. Tell well, me that it doesn't work. Just don't don't give me the scare the scare tactic yeah. stuff yeah. that we all grew up with. Like, no, just tell me that it doesn't work because you've proven that other things don't work. Right. We've proven that we've proven the FDA has proven they, there's a list on a Tylenol bottle. There's a list of all the problems. Right. So why can't we have, I just want, I just want you to actually give me the science. Yeah. Give me science. Cause if it doesn't work, okay, it doesn't work. But it is frustrating. We are, we are so, uh, we're so like actively being duped oh, yeah. <laughs> in this country. Oh, yeah. And you know, the, the claims about the Rick Simpson oil and cancer, I'm sure there are people that are rolling their eyes at that also. I'm sure you used to, to that. And uh, and maybe I would be that person too, if not for the fact that like in the last year, I've become aware of the fact that like, uh, which is it type one or type two diabetes is the one you develop. Two. Two. Mm-hmm. That changing your diet for lots of people will cure you of a thing a doctor is going to tell you you're going to have the rest of your life. 100%. Yeah. And you can and that's you just can you fact. can prevent it or cure it. Yeah, like you can you can any t- any step in that process can happen. Right, 100%. and literally doctors will tell you, well, you're just this is manageable. Right, but you're gonna probably have it forever. Well, and they're not nutritionists, so the right. last thing they're gonna do is <clears throat> recommend maybe let's have maybe let's let's change your diet first, then let's take a look at invading your body with all of these chemicals and totally. You know, but they don't they'll give them these surgeries, they'll give them these treatments, and then they're quite literally <clears throat> recovering on junk food. Yeah. yeah. The, the hospital does not feed them good food. So it's like, you've got these people yeah. that have a disease that was started from food, 
and they're getting surgery and treatments for it in a hospital. Here's and a as, bunch as of they're coming sugar. out of it, yeah, like, here's, yeah, it's like, here's a bunch of sugar. <laughs> yeah, like, here's all the sugar. You don't give that to a cancer patient. And that's the same, same thing with, with, with us. You know, there's cancer patients that come in and they're like, well, I heard about gummies. Yeah. And I go, all right, well, let's, you know, if you want to do gummies, let's do gummies. But how about we do this yeah. instead? Because sugar and cancer don't work. That's yeah. like gas and fire. Like you, you don't, you don't dump gas on a fire to put it out. You, you don't dump a bunch of sugar into your body that is cancer ridden. So um, there's different approaches, but it's like a lot of these people are coming. You know, I had a woman, oh, I'm going in for, <clears throat> she's a pretty large woman. Um, and she's going in for chemo. She's got this, you know, this blah, 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 blah. And, but she's doing the RSO and it's working real great. And the way I eat it, I just put it between two pieces of a Kit Kat. Now we're talking. And I was like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, you're, we're talking. you're not. We're, uh, like, but yeah, nobody's telling, phone, nobody's telling her that. Nobody's, nobody's telling, telling her that. Yeah. No, the doctors aren't going, now look, Susan, you know, or whoever. Like, yeah. You need to stop. You need to change your diet as well as do this, this, and this. And that's, you know, I have these conversations with people all the time. They come in for CBD and they go, oh, I heard that it does this. And it's like, yes, that is a part of this puzzle. Yeah. Like there, there's also the puzzle piece that says you gotta stop eating this. Yeah. And then there's one that says you have to, you know, you have cancer. Don't drink, you know, you you have lung cancer. Don't smoke cigarettes. Like the, some, the, some of those things are, are, are no brainers, but these people don't want to put those down. They just want this cure all. They just want this magic yeah. pill. And it's like, it's a little bit more than that. It's a little bit more involved, but it's definitely part of, and can be a nice catalyst to, getting you down or getting you on this path. Yeah. But it's, there's a lot of people that are just like, cure my stuff, fix my shit. And it's like, I, this is just going to be a crutch or a tool in your toolbox. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't the, you know, the fix all man. I, I like, I'm totally went through that with my dad last year. He has terrible chronic back pain. He's had surgeries and you know, just keeps bothering him in one way or another. And he's been on uh Percocet for mm. like a few years now. And my dad is totally, I love you, dad. I know you don't listen to this podcast, so whatever. Uh, but I know he is totally the kind of person who thinks he just will not get addicted to something. Like, right. that's just not him. Right. You know? Um, he doesn't know people who struggle. Like, he, sure. it's just not in his. And uh, and I, like, was really on his butt about uh, just try. He's in New Jersey. There's medical in New Jersey. And I was like, just try it. Just go try to get some medical marijuana and see how it works. And they the they recommended uh, he just like what is it decarboxylate it? Yeah. Um, so just bake it basically, and it activates it in some way. Yeah. Um, and eat the flour on some peanut butter. And he described <laughs> that to me, and I was like, cool, but like. Also, you might get really right. fucking high. Yeah, no shit. No shit. <laughs> and he did it on a Sunday and was like, I couldn't even walk. Yeah. And then he never tried it again. Yeah. yeah. And, and he was watching was, a DVD of Mr. Show. He was watching golf. <laughs> <laughs> this was the worst. I couldn't you know? move. And it felt, so, it was just such a bummer because I know he's not going to do it again because right. he can, on the other hand, he can take this Percocet. Right. And it's like five minutes and he's doing it he's right. doing whatever he's doing um but i know that he's like shut off to that experience now and there's just uh, i just wish he would 
that's a big problem with us too. That's that's when, especially when when uh, suggesting RSO for people, it's I, I I I basically use that example all the time. It's like the the last thing I want to do to people is suggest they take something, not really give them any instructions or or direction as to how to use it, how it's going to feel. Like yeah. Just go here, decarboxylize this put it on a piece of toast and eat it. Not like, well, this is really heavy duty stuff. So maybe you want to do like a, a dime size or yeah, less. Or like less. you want to do. Um, and, and I tell these people all the time, like the last thing I want to do is scare the hell out of them to where now they're done because cannabis can be super uh, beneficial and, and super relieving. But if you're scared to hell, scared to death of, of the reaction because you had a terrible experience, you're going to have that association with every single time. That and it is a terrible it. experience. If you are, if you are not used to being high and you get like high, high, it's horrible. Oh, I mean, I, I, I make it, I, I do tincture. I, I try to do things to order. Um, cause some people want four to one THC to CBD or they want, you know, one to one or whatever. Um, sometimes they want sativa versus indica. I, um, I accidentally or, or, one of the syringes of sativa and indica RSO got switched and I made a woman's, she's very accommodated or very, uh, uh, acclimatized to sativa. And I accidentally used an indica and she called me the next day and was like, Whoa. you could hear her. I mean, she was almost in tears on the message. She was just like, this was, this is not what I've because She's been using it for quite some time. Yeah. And so when it's different, it's, she was like, really this nice. really scared me. I didn't like it. I felt paralyzed. I absolutely was considering never doing cannabis again. Yeah. I made her a sativa tincture. It completely 100% reverted her back to where she was feeling relief. Yeah. Not, you know, was able to um, function and sleep and all this stuff. And, and so some people are so sensitive to it that even one use of, you know, that's the problem with formulating things, you know, as a vertical integration is that inconsistency can happen. And so, um, it, it becomes, you know, it falls back on me as the provider to write that wrong. But if she, you know, would have decided that's it, I'm done with cannabis, you know, that's, that's my fault. Yeah. And totally. so I, you know, I really try to work with people and educate as much as possible to say, you know, this is very dangerous yeah. and we are your last, line of defense before you consume. Yeah. So when you're getting ready to eat this, like you want as much education and much information as possible so that it's not this like startling oh, traumatic experience yeah. that leads you to never want to do it again. Yeah. And it's like, I need people sometimes that something's not working to be able to tweak and alter and dial it in. And that sometimes means like you're going to go out on a limb with me and I need you to trust me. But that trust comes from, I haven't, dicked you over yet so right you know right like you you can rest assured that what i'm giving you is going to be yeah. on the up and up yeah but this industry is full of of just void people are all over the place with consistency and um you know the the from cultivation to formulation there can be some huge um basically you know the it can be stepped on yeah pesticides can be sprayed uh, it can go, you know, it passes from hands to hands to hands to hands. 
you don't know what's in there. You don't know their extraction methods. Just like anything know. else. Just like anything else. Yeah. And well, so except for FDA approved right. things. <laughs> oh yeah, which are perfect. That have science. <laughs> right. Like we did two months where, of clinical where we studies. could know we could know things. Yeah. We could just know all this information already. Yeah. We could already be. We these gaps could be filled. Yeah. And I don't like doing the thing like why didn't we do it this way? But okay, so let's do it now. Yeah. Right. Like let's let's just let's just do the work. And it'll take time, but you do the work and at least something's being done. And it's, and it's not like a, like your dad and other dads out there that are like, it's a major dad problem, but like, well, <laughs> not my dad. And, 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 <laughs> well, like what, what dope. Ooh. Yeah. You're like, no, no, God. Well, you, I went through the sixties and I don't know. That wasn't a, there was a lot of lazy oh, you know, man. Yeah. Like, propaganda. It was, it was all, it's just, just disgusting propaganda that made it. Oh, oh it's dope. Uh, you don't want to, you don't want to smoke that. I was at my buddy's wedding a couple years ago and I do not get along with his dad. And uh, he's, he's a fucking asshole. Um, sorry. Huge listener. Uh, Huge listener. Uh, Support but, us on Patreon. Um, his dad was uh, eating weed gummies. And, you know, at like the reception or whatever, I was like, I'm going to try to talk to this guy. And we got something in common now. No, you don't. And he goes, oh, yeah, well, you know, I, I, yeah, I eat them. I eat them. I like them. But I don't smoke this stuff. I'll never smoke it. And he got all like, that's beneath me. Than that, it yeah. was like, what? What? <laughs> Who cares? Are you never kidding me? So you're just eating children's treats? Right. <laughs> it's the delivery device you that know, he's it's so yeah. yeah, but it's yeah. weird. All There's just so many layers of stigma people That's carry funny. in this yeah. conversation that yeah. are really weird. Speaking of, do you think, uh, there is a part of me that if we are looking at recreational marijuana being legalized, I do kind of sometimes feel like it's a little bit in line with the like cotton candy vape flavors. Do we need for weed edibles to be candies? Well, and that's uh, so Do that's need a to good be point. No, well, things, that's a good, you know? we we don't use like kid. I mean, obviously the gummies are gummy flavored. Right. You know, our mints are mint flavored, but um, they're not in kids' shapes. Yeah, they're not in packaging that's attractive to little kids, and and there there are um, like we're not. Girl Scout cookie is a is a pretty popular um, strain, Don't and we're not allowed to call it Girl Scout cookie. We have to abbreviate it. Got it. So same sense. things like funny bubble gum. Um, you know, there's just like cotton candy. There's like different strains that have to be abbreviated because for some reason they could be marketed to children. But so our packaging is very plain. Our wording, our verbiage is we're trying to you know we don't call it Girl Scout cookie. Right. We call it GSE whatever. But um, no, I, I, you know, depending on what delivery form you like, I mean, if you like a gummy, you know, it's easier to make a square gummy than a gummy bear. Dinosaur. And a dinosaur or Legos <laughs> or whatever. It's like, well, just, you can have it in a capsule. And yeah, that's yeah, fine. yeah. But, yeah. um, but no, I, I, I just, I, even as a kid, don't think I would have picked up if, you know, if I would have seen jars of weed on the counter and picked one up and read it and said bubble gum think that that was actual bubble gum. No, me know? neither. You know what it is? It's, it's, I, I guess I'm, I'm like, I feel like I, I want to defend right. cannabis so yeah, much. Yeah. And I just, I'm waiting for the story, which I'm sure if you live in Seattle, this story's already been in the paper. Uh, but about the, the kid who had the, 
the brownie that you know right. was wasn't for him right. and like ended up in the ER and whatever. And I just I just like I don't want I just well there was the story of the kid who brought gummies to school yeah. and Fuck. dosed his he whole class. Everything. Oh yeah, he was yeah. like second grade or first grade. Jesus. Or something. So that does happen, uh, yeah. but again. Well, but okay. we've seen that packaging. Right. We've or, seen those yeah. packages that I'm like, this looks like Haribo gummy right. bears. Yeah, well, yeah. and look, this, is, this shouldn't be this way. Let's turn 180 degrees and look back at the parents and yeah, go, no shit. what, where were these? Yeah, where were what, where's the education for the kid? Yeah. Where's the, you know, because a, a three-year-old, when you say this is, this is mommy and daddy's medicine, you are not to take this, whatever. You set boundaries around that but also with some education, yeah. you know, you don't hide it from them. And then they open your drawer and all of a sudden there's a huge bag of gummy bears yeah. and they're like, what the hell? Why are they in here? They yeah. should be out in the kitchen. Yeah. But you, you, you put this kind of boundary around it and you say, look, like this is, this is not for you. Right. If you do this, you can get in trouble. You could get sick and die. I don't know. Put the fear of God in them. Just so reasonable they go, things. look like, you know, okay, just I'm, like cigarettes and alcohol. Right. Yeah. Like it's already, this is all in place. Right. It's all right. in place. We're capable. <laughs> we were, I, I did a house show in Spokane uh, a couple of weeks, uh, a month ago. And, uh, they, I, I was curious because I was listening to them talk and uh, between sets, and they were one of them was telling a story about him finding weed in his uh, son's bedroom, and I was like, yeah, so how do you deal with that now? Like, what's the difference now? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. It's it was legal. It was in a package. Yeah, yeah. he and went to a dispensary and got it. Yeah, or somebody got he's it like, for him. I, I feel weird about that because it's the now it's the exact it's. It's not that he felt weird. He was he was fine with it, but he was like, I have to treat that like he he had a beer. Right. Yeah. Oh. Okay. But it's not a beer. Well, and it's and, like and, let's put some let's put some parameters on this because yeah. you know sure they got caught with a beer, but that can snowball. You know, totally. So yeah. It's not the same as it's not, cracking a beer and driving down the road. Let's 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 put some boundaries on. Yeah. That, yeah. Because you know? his thing was too. He's like, I I can't yell at him like this. I can yell at him from a legal standpoint. Sure. But I would, I'm glad he was I instantly, he was like, I'm just glad I found that and not like a bottle of vodka. Sure. Yeah. I was like, totally. this is so much better. Right. But it does require so like better. a more nuanced, for better or for worse, it's like a more nuanced yeah. conversation for this generation. Yeah. Well, and he's yeah. the guy who's like, oh, this is, I love this. This is healthy. Yeah. This is, I use it for this. And I got to tell him, well, you got to wait two years. Like okay. until your brain develops. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, okay. Yeah. But don't drink. I don't want you to drink. If I find alcohol, you're in trouble. Cause yeah. that's, you know, like I, it, it was interesting because yeah, he is. was on the right side of it, but he's got to deal with the law of it. Well, and, and, uh, and again, I, I mean, I, I, I am a part of the ilk or just belief that pretty much any problem that we have in society, any problem that we have, um, within the household can be solved with family and education. Yeah. I mean, if the parents, they don't have to be together, but they have to be on the same page. They've got to be an active member of the family, but they don't have to be living together. But if you have a parent that basically looks the other way and doesn't offer any sort of guidance or any sort of safe, you know, safeguarded, like it's okay to tell me what's going on. Yeah. I will be, I'm not, you're not going to get in trouble. You're not going to like, this is an open line of communication, but there needs to be this sanctity as well as some education. I mean, if, if a kid thinks that it's bad to go and shoot up a school, chances of him shooting up a school are pretty slim to none. If his parents are at home going, you know, 
this is bad when you're sad if you're upset or you i saw my kids starting to act a little different yeah. so then i started to inquire and then we sat down then we went you know there's a lot of parents that just kind of go well he was quiet and i didn't really know and yeah i don't know you know he was never i don't know it's like there's there's not an active involvement and so we get this you know we get a lot of chaos because parents just aren't a hundred percent involved in their kids. Yeah. And that kind of makes me think like, it's like the, the important thing is not, um, it's not to like, it's not like there's a way, one way to have this conversation with your kids around your marijuana use or their interest in marijuana, but it's just have the conversation and have it again. And don't, uh, don't make anybody keep secrets. All right. Because yeah. as soon as we start keeping secrets is when like behaviors get fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, okay. I have one more thing. Thanks for all your time. Um, Absolutely. Uh, but so we're now staring down the pike at probably legal recreational marijuana. Let's say conservatively 10 years. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, do you, you know, I feel, I really do feel ambivalent about it because on one hand, like I said, I love the retail experience of buying weed. Right. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I know that in California, what, like over a million plants were just confiscated from people who have been farming weed for their whole lives. Yeah. And now they can't keep up with the giant corporate producers. I'm right. also not super cool with... I've heard a lot of farmland in Oregon and Washington and California is, you know, the most, because the margins are what they are with weed, it makes sense to cl do climate control. So 100%. rather than have a field, right. uh, you're going to put down a concrete slab and put up a building right. and grow indoors. Um, all of that stuff doesn't feel great to me. Right. Um, what looking down the pike at Montana, uh, I don't know. What, do, what are your feelings about it? Obviously from a business perspective, it's great. But you do seem you're interested in sustainability. You're interested, it seems like, in sort of keeping things small scale and reasonable. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, Montana is definitely setting the the industry in Montana specifically up um, to avoid big time outside, out of state entities to come in and set up. So they're moving to a tiered system as opposed to a, a plant count or a, a, a square footage okay. um they're moving that into a uh or square footage based on on patient load they're moving that into a tiered structure which is based on sales rather than patient load so um if you were a multi-millionaire from out of state and wanted to move in and buy a tier 10 growers license and set up you know a hundred thousand square feet of cultivation space you wouldn't be allowed to do that Got you would it. have to start at a tier one which is 250 square feet, you would have to prove that over the course of- Oh, and you know, everybody would have to do that. Everybody. So what they're doing now is all pre-existing providers are now, like the inspectors come in, they take your square footage, they look at your patient load, they say, okay, you're allowed to have, like for me, I think I'm allowed to have 15,000 square feet of cultivation space, flowering space. Yeah. That's not mom, clones, that's not vegging, that's just budding yeah. flower room. So- um, they're, they're putting everybody into a tier and then we have to stay in that tier for one year. And then at the end of the year, if we want to move up, we have to prove that we're selling 80 to 85% of what we harvest. So it's, it, cool. they make it pretty. So I like that. I like that. Um, you know, cause that's a, that's a big problem in other States is these guys, you know, 
in California, these guys that have the, the infrastructure to grow hydroponic tomatoes, they are now converting all of their space or half of their space into cannabis cultivation space because why not? Yeah, I don't know Price why they're stopping and, at half. I right. right. Well, <laughs> well, they don't want to see the, the world supply of Romas go oh, down. Go. No, yeah. They're hurting the global market of tomatoes, yeah. beefsteaks. But, um, but no, so... Um, Montana is setting it up because they're very, um, they don't want what happened to Colorado, Oregon, Washington, California to happen here. Yeah. So you have to be a, a a resident for three years. You have to, um, start at its, you know, if you're entering in right now, you have to start at a tier one. You can't just jump into whatever tier you want. Oh, that's Um, awesome. So it'll, it'll really, it'll set it up so that, you know, the, the, the players that are involved now, can be the ones that kind of set the market. Now there's people all over that. There are people that have 10 dispensaries in Montana. That to me is insane. I have two. Um, and it's where we have no time for ourselves, you know? So I couldn't imagine having 10, Mm -hmm. um, being vertically integrated. Yeah. It's insane to me if I had a dispensary in Shelby and it ran low on flour and my cultivation was in Western Montana. Right. That's insane to try to get product or to have, cultivation sites all run over the all over the oh my god I, I couldn't even imagine so and i do have cultivation sites all over the place and it's a nightmare it's a pain in the ass. yeah <laughs> and luckily i have the most amazing team um cultivators my edible guys everybody that's in my corner uh, i mean we could not do this without all hands on deck yeah and people i mean it, it's just unbelievable you know everybody's bringing something to the table it's not like I'm the overseer and the Lord who, you know, I don't, it's, it's, it's like a family, you know, it's like, we don't exist without you. You don't exist without me. So, you know, this, this altruistic, like, um, but I, I couldn't imagine having more than three or four or five dispensaries and trying to provide that's what you're describing. Cause like I am a capitalist and what you're describing is just the way it should work. Right. Well, it's the best, let the best (laughs) man who, who has the best product, who is the best. Um, and those people should be doing it. It's not who has the most money, who has the most, it's like, and, and farming exists with, uh, co-ops very similar to, you know, it's like, it just works. Yeah. And it feels, and it really feels mutually beneficial between you and your customers, you and the people in the supply chain. Like it just, I don't know. I feel that way. Consumers appreciate that too. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, with capitalism, the way that it has gone, there's a lot of people that are, don't trust it because of the Walmarts and the, you know, the super capitalist groups out there. But at the same time, it can be really beneficial when it's on a smaller market. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, like the hippy dippy guy in me is like, uh, you feel that energy, like that energy trickles down to the customer. Oh, hundred percent experience. hundred percent. And that's, you know, all from packaging to, uh, vibe within the store. Totally. You know, you walk into a Walmart, you don't feel warm and welcome, No. but you walk into, you know, like, okay. You don't walk into, to uh, Home Depot and feel that warm welcome feeling, but you go into Boy Slumber, totally. And it's like, oh, you know, you say hi to Dave in the back. It's you different. got your, but yeah. yeah, you you develop a rapport, and you also feel good that your money is going to the person that you know and shake their hand. Yeah, it's not this guy that lives, you know, in a mansion on the hill by himself. It's this 
oh, this is the so-and-so and that's this their wife the and there's their kids and this is where they have their, and, and people f- appreciate that. Yeah. They, they, they kind of want that. I think, um, that's the than, other stigma that I know some listener is hitting on right now is that it's just a gold mine. Like, Oh, I'm just going to get into it and I'm going to, Right. Like I, I, oh, it's just so much money. Get a yacht. Oh, just yeah. but but the amount of work you have to put into it is it's not crazy. a gold mine. All of a well, sudden. especially and, in Montana. Yeah. Also, and, uh, it's like it's kind of <laughs> you know, if you're in Montana, like it's not a gold mine. Also, you have to jump through crazy hoops. Like it's yeah. nuts. Or you're in a state where it's totally legal, and it's like good luck keeping up. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's you know? the thing. That's that's the problem is um, it, because of the banking. Um, we're and the safe banking act and the more act just got shot down at a Senate, um, just kind of behind the, the closed doors. Nobody really knew it wasn't made, um, public, but they shot both of those down. And the safe banking act is one that we really need. Um, we cannot bank our money. That's we, insane. I cannot walk into a bank and say, here is, you know, a hundred thousand dollars that I made legally that I would like to pay taxes on, but I would like to put this in your bank yeah. and then maybe get a loan out yeah. because well, my business is really successful or really picking up. But that means that I have to expand, which means that I need to take out a loan, yep. which means that I can't do that. And if they find out that I'm part of a cannabis group or if my, if, you know, yeah. because I have five LLCs that are umbrella LLCs to protect me that have, a bank account shuts down one account that I can walk across the street and open up another Jesus. bank account. But it means that I have to have five bank accounts. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So it's it. I would like some of that stuff that really can make this um, a mature, solidified economy. Those sorts of things need to be in place because yeah, at the end of the day, we're all just also it's money just money. Wandering. It's just like, money. Yeah, it's just money. Yeah. Anybody, anybody, uh, any other, any other legal or illegal business could put their money in there. Also, fuck, man. I mean, Montana created, I forget what I heard, 1,200 jobs last month or something. Right. How many of them were in the cannabis industry or an adjacent industry? And you're telling me that the businesses that support those jobs can't insure their money? Well, and the government can pay their bills with money that they've raised off of tax revenue from cannabis, but I can't pay my bills with the tax revenue that I've raised off of cannabis. And it's like, why, why does the Montana state government get to take all of the tax revenue it's raised off of cannabis and put it into us bank. But the second us bank found out that I had a hemp farm, shut my bank account down. And based on my involvement in the hemp industry, not in the cannabis industry. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) why are you able to do that? But I'm not hey government do you want some tax money like i'm i'll yeah. give you some i, I want to that's nuts it's that's so what other industry is like yeah tax my tax my industry 35 percent. i don't care like 35 percent. we're at four percent here but oh. there are states that are over 50 percent holy shit yes <laughs> yeah, no. and and and, <laughs> and they still can't federally insure no. those people can't even know and there's a line around that the block nuts and they don't care the consumer doesn't care yeah. they just want access to this thing that they've never had you know, you talk about the consumer um, uh, experience when you're in a dispensary. Like, you know, these people that have had to meet somebody in the Walmart parking lot for 25 years, now all of a sudden they have this huge selection and this huge oh, array. They great. don't care that it's, you know, it's a $50 quarter with $10 added on in tax. They don't care. Right. They yeah. just want clean, reliable access that is variety. I mean, 
oriented. It's super fun to just know what kind of weed you're smoking. Yeah. Like never in my like people don't realize that, yeah. but you know, different strains have different effects and never in I've just gotten a bag of weed. Yeah. I didn't know what the fuck it was. Yeah. Sometimes it was sweet, sometimes it was less sweet. But it's, I never knew that you didn't have a choice. <laughs> no, it was, you know? I'll take that one. I yeah. Guess. Shit, be angel dust in that shit. Right. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, cause the, far be it from your, from the, uh, the dealer to know what totally. the grower, they don't usually have access to the grower. Mm-hmm. No. The grower gives it to <laughs> somebody. So that was never anything anybody ever thought about. Never. No. never thought about like where you got it from. No. I remember the first time I heard Oregon bud, the words Oregon right. bud. And I was like, Oh, does that matter? Right. Yeah. Okay. Or BC bud. BC oh, yeah, bud. Yeah. 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 BC yeah. Bud. Does that matter? Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't even know where, like, what is it? What do you mean? I barely even knew what it looked it like. It all came from Mexico. <laughs> right. That's what I did in high school. Uh, <laughs> reason, I don't know yeah. why. Everybody had like an uncle that like had a plant. They'd be like, Whoa, what does it look like? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? What is that? Well, I'm not going over there then. Um, <laughs> real quick, if people are interested in CBD, can they buy it from you without a card? Yeah. Um, yes. So different municipalities are cracking down because the farm bill that passed, um, it's one of the, like the one like diamond in the rough of the Trump administration is he signed <laughs> that thing and it's awesome. Um, but uh, it basically allowed the oversight of CBD to go from the DEA to the FDA. Now the FDA has just got its hands on it. It's super fresh. So there is this cannabis sativa is schedule one. CBD is a molecule of a schedule one drug. So technically CBD is schedule one, but the farm bill says that it's not the farm bill says that Ugh, people can grow hemp and people, but it doesn't address the banking. That was the safe banking. So there are certain municipalities that are not seeing, you know, you can buy CBD on Amazon, which means that they can ship it to any state yeah. and basically any country in the world. Yeah. So if you can do that, there really is no stopping these guys from producing oils and edibles and all sorts of stuff that technically is illegal. Now we're still sitting, we're sitting in this limbo land of like it, the hemp bill says that, or the farm bill says this about hemp. The, the, the law says this about cannabis. So we need this bridge, this, this gap to be bridged. Yeah. And so there are certain municipalities that are cracking down really hard, like health departments and state governments that are cracking down on CBD. Um, and so in some places you know they want to clean it like missoula is one of them they want to clean it off the street they don't want people buying it they don't want people having access really so i gotta stock up so but i mean we are a cannabis dispensary yeah so we definitely provide ingestible cbd and you know i as long as you're over 18 yeah you know i i will sell cbd oh these gray areas suck well, because really you're you're, you. you're you're running a business and you're doing it's it's all should be normal. Well, and I'm, I I have wholesale accounts with CBD companies that I buy tincture from, and I buy, and some of them are USDA certified organic. So how can they have a federal organic accreditation, but be allowed to produce a federally illegal product? Yeah, and then ship it. That's- it's like. Figure your shit out. Yeah. Get an A through Z index, and then let's move forward. But yeah. right now, it's kind of like 
you know, I, the health department did stop in and they said, well, we heard from somebody that you got, that they got ingestible CBD here. And just to let you know, you cannot blah, 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 blah. And it was like, oh, I got to stock up. I'm, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to stop selling non-psychoactive CBD to <laughs> anxiety. Grown, yeah, grown up <laughs> suffering from anxiety, sleep loss, yeah. and uh, chronic pain. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not. Yeah. And furthermore, when those people feel relieved, when they feel more capable of being a whole person, they're bettering society. They're working. They're paying their taxes. They're going to school. They're doing these things that make society better. So, But they're I, total weed heads. Well, they're total potheads. Well, <laughs> the, 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 I'm not, I'm definitely would never buy it from town pump but that right they're not going to town There's pump no fucking and, way that's no and they're that's, not going to go to town pump and tell them that's not real stuff. but that's what that's what <laughs> i don't know that's what so it, it has the word me. butter on it i right. don't like that well they went into lucky's market they go into vape shops they went into meadow sweet herbs vitality uh-huh. nutrients they went into these places and said get it out of here like we do not want this success they're not going to, to town pump they're not going to mess with the that part of Montana's yeah, the town pump lobby is strong. <laughs> it is. It's <laughs> they own this They're state. Well, it is. Lills, it's but. one of the biggest. It is one of the bigger lobbyists in in both the House and Senate. It it's sense. one of the biggest. Like that's it literally that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. comes out of town pump. Oh Lucky man, Lills, that Bonner town pump is insane. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. all are, and, and yeah, I'm not saying again that that's the product I would buy, but they're not talking to them. But they're, they're talking not, to you. But then, and 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 that's the that's the sad part is that they should be kicking it out of those places and referring people to dispensaries where they do get education. Right. You ask yes. a gas station attendant, "What is this? Is this an isolate, broad spectrum, or full spectrum?" They go, <laughs> "I don't know. I just sell it." It says butter, and we it. sell kratom, and we sell, and it's like kratom is the same thing. It's like it is. It, it, it blocks the same receptors that pain relieving opioids do, but it doesn't give you that addiction. Yeah. And it's not physically addictive and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't kill people. Yeah. But Kratom is not legal, but it's also, it, it, it's like these, you know, these supplements that the FDA just is just sitting on. Can you, like, you can get, no, oh, and, and excuse me for being clueless, you can get Kratom just like I can get CBD at a gas station. Primarily well, a gas no, but station. No, but no, from you. I don't, I don't want to no, buy it. No, I don't sell cream. Okay. I, I was going to say. Did you say we, gas station porn shops? Or porn shops, yeah. Awesome. Well, right Remember next to Remember where you used to get your whippets. Yeah, you yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I was just going to say whippets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so weird. You're in high school in rural America. So weird. You know where to get the whippets. Whippets, whippets, whippets. Um, Hey, Brian, thank you so much. You yes. are you are oh, like thank you uh, the kind of advocate I think uh, oh, the you. cannabis industry needs more of. Thank you. Um, yeah. And thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Anytime. Greenhouse Pharmacy, uh, go and get hurt or find some pain. <laughs> go and apply You're for anxious. a thing. And then, you can't sleep. Yeah, go spend some money Stop at a, uh, Greenhouse Pharmacy across from a good food store. And bring or, your grandma. And bring your grandma. Bring your grandma. Yeah. Get that uh, stigma out of there. Yeah. yeah. That would be yeah. great. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. This has been Jamie. And Travis. Present. Jamie and Travis. Jamie and Travis.